This week, we're re-releasing an episode called Jerry Seinfeld Dated a Teenage Girl and Got Away With It. Jerry Seinfeld is one of the biggest TV stars of all time. But while Seinfeld was winning fans and Emmys for his performance as, you know, a fictionalized version of himself, his real-life personal life wasn't so savory. In the 1990s, Jerry's long-term girlfriend put the emphasis on girl was Shoshana Lonestein, whom he met at a park when she was just 17 years old. The year is now 2022, and not only has Jerry not had a Me Too reckoning, the internet is still eerily silent about his sketchy sexual history. We hope you enjoy this episode, and also that maybe we all as a society can reconsider how we treat Jerry Seinfeld and maybe try to hold him accountable. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow. Ow. What? Yeah, there's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Hello, and welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that re-examines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how do we react to the same events if they'd transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sadaf And I'm Sarah Sahagian. This week, we're discussing that time one of the biggest TV stars of the 90s dated a teenage girl. In 1993, 38-year-old TV megastar Jerry Seinfeld approached 17-year-old high school student Shoshana Lonstein while she was hanging out in New York's Central Park. Seinfeld asked the high schooler for her number, and the pair began meeting up. What happened next should have been a firestorm of public disapproval and condemnation for Seinfeld. But instead, the media and his colleagues normalized the relationship, painting Jerry and Shoshana as a cute, aspirational couple who were making it work despite their 21-year age difference. Sadaf, did you know slash remember this story? So I was a child when this happened, thank God. But I don't remember it, but I remember like vague celebrity trivia about it, if anything, which was always shocking to me. It almost seemed like an urban myth because that's how hard it is to believe. So I don't know all the details about it, actually. Yeah, it is disturbing. And I think one thing we should get out of the way before we get into the meat of the story is like, how does it feel for a Seinfeld fan to know this? I mean, I think to me, I mean, I, I'm not a diehard Seinfeld fan, but I've always enjoyed the show. Um, learning more and more about this story over the years has made it difficult for me to laugh at the show in the same way, even though I do think you can, to an extent, separate the art from the artist. Um, but I mean, honestly, this is the plight of the media watcher in the era of Me Too, which is like, you know what happened. And I mean, in the case of Seinfeld, a lot of people don't know what happened because the story has been suppressed. But we can talk about that. How does this affect our experience as viewers? What do you think, Sadaf? Well, for me, it's interesting because I was never a fan of Seinfeld. I've just never gotten it, I guess. I don't find it very funny. But yeah, it just reaffirmed for me that I'm just not really a fan of this person. And he doesn't check out for me, to be honest. But I think 
it brings up that conversation if you can separate the art and the artist. And I think for him, it's definitely the case. He's such a legend. He's so huge. He's pretty much untouchable. He was then. He still is. So you can still enjoy the art, I think. But it's worth having a critical eye. I mean, that's what this entire podcast is about, right? We can look back at it and be like, yeah, that was kind of shady and kind of weird. And I mean, this story does really fit into the history of powerful men in the entertainment industry going after much younger women. Um, Woody Allen did that in horrific ways. Um, You know, he did some really awful things in terms of his sexual misconduct. There are plenty of other people in the entertainment industry who've also pursued much younger women. Sometimes they were children. Um, so this is not an unusual story. What I think is unusual about it is that Seinfeld is so powerful, it seems not to have gotten much traction even in the era of Me Too, which is why I'm glad we're doing this episode today to do our small part as podcasters to hold this comedy legend accountable. Yeah, it's. I think it's so overdue and it reminds me of so many relationships we've seen like this play out in Hollywood. And by the way, Hollywood is not on its own. This happens in real life. But some of the ones we've seen are like Dennis Quaid and his wife. They have a 40-year age difference, which is insanity. Mm -hmm. There was Mick Jagger, who I believe had a 40-year age difference with the last mother of his child. So it's a pattern that we've seen happen for God, it's a tale as old as time, a May-December romance. We've always seen it. We see it in real life and we see it on screen. That's true. It's it's common. Um, so in our Benefer episode, Steph, you mentioned that age gaps don't really bother you as long as the people are consenting end of age, which, you know, is a, a take a lot of people share. Do you, How do you feel about this story in light of that? Like, I just want to get out of the way how we feel about the consent issue here with Seinfeld dating a girl who was at first... 17, and then through much of their relationship, legal, but barely legal. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a great time for me to just explain. So I think with Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck, that reads as a fine relationship to me because she was in her Mm -hmm. 30s. He was in his 40s. Um, They're adults. That's the difference. In this case, you're looking at somebody who is 17 17 years old, which is essentially a child, and a very adult man who has a lot of cachet behind him. And I think it's two very different worlds. I think part of the thing is a lot of people excuse it to daddy issues (laughs) on the younger person's part or a fertility thing on the other person's part. I think a lot of that is a little bit of BS. I think it's just a part of it. My theory anyway, is that for a lot of these famous men, it's that they kind of feel like they have a fan in their bed at night. You know, Mm -hmm. it's somebody who can kind of quote unquote, look up to them, admire them. The bar is much lower. Let's be real. When you're 17, you do not have the same values as somebody who's in their forties, let's say. And um, yeah, it's just a completely different ball game. And I'm guessing it's a lot more fun. I don't know that it's a lot better. Here's my question. What the hell did they talk about? I mean, if you're the age that Jerry was, if you're 38, what are you talking about with someone who's 17? I mean, you, how is that even appealing to me? There's the physical side, sure. But what comes after that? Absolutely. I think this is a very different situation for many, many reasons. And let's get into them. So, Seinfeld, often referred to as a show about nothing, premiered on NBC in 1989. Seinfeld created the show with his good friend, Larry David, who served as executive producer and showrunner. The sitcom featured a fictionalized version of stand-up comic Jerry Seinfeld's life as he and his friends Kramer, George Costanza, I always call him George Costanza, never just George, and Elaine hilariously obsessed over the minutiae of everyday life. 
The series was nominated for 68 Emmys and won 10, including one for Best Comedy Series in 1993, which is also the year Jerry started dating Shoshana. The show was also a critical darling. In a 1991 article for the New York Times, Glenn Collins writes about the quirky comedy. He says, quote, Seinfeld is arguably the most idiosyncratic comedy on network television. So far, the comedian's efforts have been applauded not only by audiences and NBC, but also by critics. I'd like to play a clip from a 1993 e-network special on Seinfeld. So this, as I said before, is the year he became involved with Shoshana in 1993. I used to go with him on his sales calls. He was a salesman. I used to go around with him and watch him make the customers laugh. And if he could make them laugh, they would always buy from him. So I learned that you can, you can get people to do what you want if you're funny. And funny is an understatement. But according to Seinfeld, becoming the comic he is today required some serious training. I was just always fooling around. Just, you know, not doing what I was supposed to do. Putting bread in my glasses and, you know, and throwing peas at people and... <laughs> stop, stop it. Anything people told me, stop it was the best thing I could have done for my career. I mean, first of all, what an incredible clip. He's caught red-handed <laughs> for mm -hmm. being full of shit, in my opinion. I mean, I think it was the setting of the time. You know, here was comedy kind of exploding. He came from the clubs. He came from stand-up. Usually that kind of trajectory, especially for a white male comedian, it leads to straight success. And I think it did that for him. So let's discuss how toxic masculinity and male entitlement is inextricably linked to the comedy that was popular in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I think that this is, I, I think it's inarguable that this was true, personally. Um, let's consider not just Seinfeld, but Eddie Murphy's gay jokes, Ricky Gervais's gay jokes, as well as Ricky Gervais's tendency to make fun of people with health conditions and disabilities. Um, the comedy of this era isn't necessarily as much about punching up as I would say a lot of the best comedy of today is. Not all of the best comedy, but a lot of the best comedy of today understands power imbalances and how making fun of marginalized people and making them the butt of the joke does nothing for society. But in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, that was not fashionable. Yeah, I mean, at that time, comedy was open territory. You pick on women, you pick on Black people, you pick on gay people. It's fine. It's funny. But in my opinion, it's that kind of humor that is just so lazy and so easy and so far from funny. And I think a lot of those same comedians are still schlepping the same routines and they're saying the rest of us are a little too sensitive for it. But I think if you're still doing the same routine all these years later, you're not really good at your job, to be perfectly honest. And I do think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Sarah, that because it was so toxic in the comedy world, it bled into all these other parts of these people's lives and personas. So if Jerry can get up on stage and get all this love for this kind of comedy or whatever it might be, this toxic masculinity, why shouldn't he behave the same way when he goes home at night? You know, it's it does build you into this person who has a certain kind of ego, a certain kind of persona, and it helps you get fans and it helps you date 17 year olds if that's what you want. And then it makes you feel like it's okay because if it's the same people who are applauding you every night at the club, they're probably also high-fiving you later for whoever it is you're sleeping with. And by the way, this is not something that is just exclusive to men. I mean, there's Tina Fey, mm -hmm. there's Sarah Silverman, there's mm -hmm. Amy Schumer. They've been telling the same routines for years and for much of their careers, and they've been getting away with it. And they have a lot of comedy cred in clubs and 
just on screen, we still love them. Well, not me specifically when I say we, but they've got a lot of fans. And I think there's another point worth making here is that at that time, a lot of these women were also experiencing a lot of backlash from fans. There was Mm -hmm. plenty of assault stories happening at the time. It still happens. It wasn't a safe breeding ground for female comics. And I think all of that bleeds together. Absolutely. So Jerry's dating life was central to Seinfeld, the sitcom. In fact, playing one of Jerry's dates was a way for many up-and-coming actresses to boost their profiles. Kristen Davis, Amanda Peet, Courtney Cox, Deborah Messing, and Lauren Graham all dated fictional Jerry before becoming household names, which is a very impressive list. Like, the casting on this show for his girlfriends was was quite well done. Um, It's not a diverse list, but they are all pretty talented white ladies. While Seinfeld, the show, had a reputation for cynicism and a penchant for dark humor, the series presented a Jerry whose sexual mores were pretty palatable. His character certainly didn't date little girls. So how did one of the most famous men in America come to date a child? In May of 1993, Jerry Seinfeld spotted Shoshana Lonstein in Central Park in New York, The 17-year-old high school student was a senior at Manhattan's elite Nightingale Bamford School, which was actually the inspiration for the fictional Constant Billard School on teen soap Gossip Girl. So that's an interesting connection. And this also does feel a bit like a Gossip Girl plotline. Like, honestly, you could see Serena dating um, an immoral, much older comedian on, like, season two. Can you imagine who he'd be played by? Somebody much more attractive. Oh, someone so much hotter. (laughs) (laughs) please god at least (laughs) oh yeah like chris pine would have done a guest to play him Ooh, Uh we're down for that now my opinion changes on everything (laughs) or maybe like an andy samberg or somebody like i mean andy samberg i find incredibly hot and funny and he doesn't date children so that's much better there you go (laughs) okay there you go like jerry shoshana came from a jewish background so that's one thing they had in common Seinfeld claims that at the time he met Shoshana and asked for her number, he didn't know she was 17. Seinfeld claimed he had no idea how young Shoshana was when he spontaneously hit on her. Of course, he didn't stop seeing her when he discovered the age difference. So I think the I didn't know how young she was excuse doesn't work if you keep seeing the person. What do you think? (laughs) No, it doesn't work. It's such bullshit. I also think it's the only excuse these men have when it gets to the stage, because what else are you going to say? Number one, I think they absolutely do know, or maybe Mm -hmm. they have an idea and they don't want to know the actual facts of the matter, whatever the case is, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of the only card they have to play and it's very telltale. And how do you not know? Because when you go on a first date with someone, one of the big topics that comes up is like, where do you live? The answer is my parents. Where do you work? The answer is I work at high school because I'm a student. This is one of the many questions I have because were they talking? And if so, what were they talking about? Was Jerry helping her with her homework? Was he telling her to get her calculus done? (laughs) And again, we already discussed he's not exactly winning in the looks department. Sorry, Jerry. But what was she getting out of it? I'm dying to know. I mean, I don't know. Even if she did like him and found him really funny and charming, At least if she had been older, she could have made an adult decision about it as opposed to being a child um, who was essentially groomed. So in a spring 1993 radio interview with Howard Stern, the shock jock brought up the age difference in Jerry's relationship. Seinfeld brazenly tried to deny dating an underage person in this interview. He told Howard, she's not 17, definitely not. 
The following month, Jerry returned to Howard's show to rephrase his initial response. Seinfeld argued, I didn't realize she was so young. He also insisted, this is the only girl I ever went out with who was that young. I wasn't dating her. We just went to a restaurant and that was it. Okay, (laughs) first of all, saying this is the only girl I've ever dated who was this young, that doesn't make it okay, right? Like, even if you're not a serial killer, if you murder one person, you're still a murderer, right? So like, I've only ever pursued one underage girl, doesn't make it okay. Okay. Can you imagine if we got like one free pass for all of us just to be a pedophile just once? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that was his. So we should forgive him. The other thing is, what is a date if not like essentially going to a restaurant with someone you're attracted to? Like that is just, how is that not a date? Maybe it was a professional meeting, Sarah. Maybe they were talking politics. Maybe they were talking the business. What do we know? Yeah. I'm being generous here. I do not believe that he even listened to a word she said, because I think what I get from a relationship like this is at the end of the day, he is objectifying the person who is sitting in front of him. She was a beautiful woman. Correction, Mm -hmm. she was a beautiful child. She was 17. And he, even standing next to her, if you Google these photos, he looks like he could be her father. I mean, literally, he is old enough to be. And it's just hard to believe that they had any kind of substance. What the hell could the depth have been? I can't imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. So before long, the two were seen at basketball games. Shoshana was Jerry's official date to the 48th Emmy Awards and to the first ever Screen Actors Guild's Awards. They were red carpet official, which is as official as it gets in Hollywood. He was not ashamed of dating a much younger person. He was celebrating it and flaunting it. She was his bona fide girlfriend very quickly. So there was an infamous to me, I mean, other people might think it's innocuous, but I believe it is infamous and problematic. People magazine cover story about Jerry and Shoshana's relationship that was released in March of 1994. Its headline read, look who's in love. The piece romanticized and apologized for the relationship between Jerry and Shoshana, representing it as admirable and loving rather than creepy. The People Magazine article accepts Seinfeld's assertion that he did not date Lonstein while she was 17. Author Karen S. Schneider writes, as time passed, the relationship changed. What Schneider doesn't mention is that even if we believe Seinfeld that nothing sexual happened until his girlfriend reached the age of majority, hanging out with a young person you intend to date later is kind of grooming. So even if he wasn't officially dating her, that's still wrong. The People Magazine article describes Jerry and Shoshana's relationship in a way that normalizes the pairing. Schneider writes, for months now, Seinfeld and Lonestein have quietly gone about the business of getting to know one another. She also describes their age difference as the May-August aspect of their relationship, which is sort of an understatement. I'd say it's more of an April-September. It just follows its own calendar. (laughs) This is not what we go by. By the time this article came out, Shoshana was 18 and enrolled in her first year at George Washington University in D.C., The article describes how the couple, quote, walk arm in arm across the campus when Seinfeld pops in for an occasional visit. The article also describes the two as liking to watch sports together, shooting hoops at the park, and dining at Jem's famous deli in L.A. In addition, Jerry was known to take Shoshana shopping at such high-end retailers as Ralph Lauren and Giorgio Armani. 
The People article normalizes the relationship by quoting people close to Seinfeld who endorsed the pairing. Jerry's good friend, the comedian George Wallace, was quoted as saying of Shoshana, she's beautiful and mature, she's good for him. Jerry's manager, George Shapiro, is also quoted. He claims of Seinfeld, I've never seen him happier. Seinfeld himself defends his relationship within the pages of the People story. He argues, Shoshana is a person, not an age. She is extremely bright. <laughs> She's funny, sharp, very alert. We just get along. You can hear the click. So I just want to say right now, he describes her as very alert, and alert is literally a compliment pediatricians give to babies. Like, <laughs> like when I brought my baby in for her first checkup, the pediatrician was like, oh, good attention. She's so alert. That's not something you say about adults. It's so bizarre. Could you imagine dating somebody and they're like, oh, I love her. She's super alert. Alert in what way? What does that mean? <laughs> it's just him basically with his language acknowledging that she is a child, right? Like, oh, wow. She's much more alert than you'd expect a kid to be. I mean, the whole line is so comical. She's a person. She's not an age. Wow. <laughs> she's mm -hmm. above us all in that way. She's a special species. Mm -hmm. You superficial people who just think about the ages of the people you date. I see the human behind the number 17. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the article also asserts Shoshana's parents have always approved of the romance. My favorite passage of the entire piece, by my favorite, I mean the most cringeworthy, of course, is the description of Jerry waiting outside Shoshana's home. Quote, within weeks after their first date, friends and neighbors grew accustomed to the sight of the Seinfeld limousine idling outside the Upper East Side luxury apartment building where Lonestein lives with her 15-year-old brother, David, and her parents. Am I blowing this out of proportion? Because I find it very upsetting. Oh my God, yeah. He sounds like a classic predator. So she just walks out and gets taken away by this car. I think he thought he was pulling off like a kind of Bruce Wayne, but it's much more Lex Luthor, maybe even a little more chilling than that. I'm not, I don't, I can't even process it. I find it so foul. I know, like, is he surveilling her? Does she know he's coming? Is he surprising her and putting her on the spot? Like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, he is behaving in a way where he clearly doesn't understand the boundaries in an adult relationship. Like, if her 17-year-old boyfriend did those things, you wouldn't be surprised. You'd be like, okay, well, maybe you need to be educated about boundaries. You just started dating. But this is a man in his 30s. Well, I think part of it, too, is this is the seduction routine, right? He's using his power and wealth to win her over. He's sending a limo over to pick her up. Who does that when you're dating? <laughs> Every time you have a date, it just slides up sleekly to pull you in. I, mm -hmm. I don't find it at all normal, obviously, but I think this was part of the way that he won her over. And like you said before, they would go shopping to all these designer stores. That was kind of his thing. He knew what he was doing. Maybe he wasn't that conscious of how he was grooming her, but this is how it works. He used his power and he kind of like dangled it in front of her. And by the way, when you're 17 and this kind of age dynamic is at play, you can't really decide what's right or wrong because the authority figure is the one who kind of wins over in the end and holds the strings. And that's why we can't really at the end of the day also put the onus on her, I think. No, we can't. And also if the People magazine article is correct and her parents really did approve, then it seems like the adults in her life were normalizing this relationship. As a child, you really rely on the authority figures in your life, you know, teachers, parents, aunts, uncles, 
to model for you what's appropriate and to protect you and let you know when you're in danger. So if they approved of her dating someone who was much more powerful, much older, then you can see how she wouldn't understand that this was weird and that she was, you know, being exploited. Like, I feel really terrible for her. Now, it's possible that the parents felt powerless, right? Like, it's possible that they felt like this man had so much influence, that he was so connected, that they were just going to kind of ride it out. But I don't know. And I mean, none of us know for sure. I just know that someone probably should have intervened to save her and no one did. No, because I think what anybody was looking out for, and as we heard from Jerry's quote-unquote team, the only person who was being looked out for was him. Mm -hmm. And this read so well for him in the media, which it never would now. We know that. But I agree with you. We don't know what her parents were thinking. We don't even know what she was thinking, which is the worst part. We don't even have her voice in this. Mm -hmm. So it's all just a little bit twisty. Yeah. So in the People magazine article, Schneider quotes Shoshana only once. Here's what Lonestein says about dating Seinfeld, quote, I would like my life to be normal and just go about being a student. But these daily obstacles don't take away from our relationship. So she's kind of referring to the press scrutiny and the fact that now she's become this kind of celebrity on campus because everyone knows she's dating Jerry. I mean, when you're 18 and at university, that's the biggest gossip story going, right? Yeah. Somebody's dating a celebrity who sometimes visits campus. So of course, that would have made things difficult for her. Uh, you know, being a notable person on campus as soon as you arrive is pretty daunting. And so, I, I mean, I feel terrible for her. It kind of reminds me of how Emma Watson left Brown because she was constantly being bullied for having mm. been in Harry Potter. It's just, it's sad because this quote makes it so clear, like, Shoshana, like, wants to be a normal person. Like, she wants to have a normal university experience, but she can't. Um, and it makes me very angry at Jerry because whether or not she argues he is the reason, I would argue that. Yeah, and I think the fact that it's her one quote in the story, which is already ridiculous, it says a lot to me because here she is kind of saying, well, there's this negative little bit of it that I don't really love that he obviously also has a lot of control over. He definitely seemed to have the heaviest weight in this relationship. This all leaned towards him. That's what I get from this. Yeah. So the piece ends with another quote from Seinfeld himself. The comedian explains, when I wasn't involved with Shoshana and was seeing several women, then it was awkward. You go out with one girl and the other sees you with her in the paper. That was uncomfortable. Now I'm not doing anything I'm uncomfortable with. My interest in her is very proper. So it's almost like the article doesn't care what the externalities are as long as Seinfeld is happy, yeah. right? Like, look who's in love is the headline. Like, oh, our favorite TV star found love. Who cares at what cost? And by the way, that happened anyway in the 90s, even if the other romantic partner was as high wattage. But the fact that she was essentially a nobody, it was so much easier for even the tabloids to spin her into this object who he kind of like won over and was having this wonderful fairy tale love with. His quote is already so awful because I feel like he's already kind of th trying to throw his masculinity around mm -hmm. being like, yeah, I used to date multiple other women and they already had a hard time seeing me in magazine covers. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, that line about him saying my interest in her is very proper. What a ridiculous line. It is the first time Jerry Seinfeld has ever made me laugh. I will say that. Yeah, if you're if you have to say that your interest in someone is proper, it isn't. Like no one who ever had good intentions has said their interest in someone was proper. I'm going to make that assertion right now. Yeah, this is not Jane Austen. We do not talk like that, not even in the 90s, I can guarantee you. No, 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 that is not a normal thing to say. 
you mentioned, Sadaf, that you felt like this grotesque power imbalance obviously tilts in his favor, even in the coverage we see. And well, as it develops, that's even more apparent. So while still a teenager, Shoshana transferred to UCLA for Jerry's convenience. Um, And like UCLA is a great school, just like George Washington is. She was still getting an education. But the fact that she moved for him, she transferred schools for him. She changed the university experience she was having for him. Just says like this man had so much influence over her and so much power and her life really in many ways revolved around him. I don't know. I don't like that fact. What about you? Yeah, it was all about him. And I can just imagine the conversation. I mean, he can easily just say, this is my career. I'm a huge star. Obviously, I can't move for you. So she's the one who has to. And by the way, it's ridiculous to even get to that level of the conversation. Why is she committing to this degree anyway? Mm -hmm. She is a child. She's still in school for crying out loud. So I think this is a good time to take a break. Um, What about you, Sadaf? I feel like I need to kind of go wash my hands, brush my teeth. I feel really gross talking so much about an adult dating a child. I need a quick shower. Let's do this. So one of the few critiques of Seinfeld's relationship came from Howard Stern. You've already heard quotes from the interview where Howard Stern broached the topic of Shoshana. Um, He did that a couple of times in interviews with Seinfeld. Um, But he also recorded a parody song about Seinfeld's relationship with Shoshana. Now, Stern has a history of objectifying women's bodies on his show. He also has a history of dating younger women himself, including his current wife, model Beth Ostrowski, who is 16 years his junior. Nonetheless, Stern drew a bright line where dating minors was concerned. And, you know, I think that that's fair. Like, I think we can draw a bright line there. We'll Uh, give him that. (laughs) Yeah. That, I mean, he's done so many problematic things and I'm not a fan, but... I'm okay with him saying, like, I don't think that that's a, a double standard or anything. Yeah. I'm okay with him saying, like, you can date younger women, but you can't date children. Like, fair. In 1993, Stern recorded a parody song called 17 with Double Ds and performed the ditty on a televised New Year's Eve special. It was a duet with Janice Ian to the same tune as Ian's 1976 classic, I Learned the Truth at 17. The performance was accompanied by a digital short that showed a fictional Jerry and Shoshana playing at a park. Shoshana frolics on swings and jumps rope while Jerry lasciviously watches. She is also pictured sucking on a popsicle and fighting with Jerry over a lollipop. Stern declares pithily, quote, some nice guy you turned out to be. A little special song for Jerry Seinfeld. This should really fuck his New Year's up. You gotta get a sense of humor. Seinfeld's girl is 17 and innocent with double D's. He saw those breasts and flipped his lid for a real young busty high school kid. The title itself and many of the song's lyrics objectify the young girl's body. Does that undermine the song's critique of Seinfeld? I personally think it does. I think that it is not okay to objectify children. Obviously, Dating a child is disgusting, but I don't think that it's right to objectify one either in the name of critiquing someone who is dating a child. Yeah. I mean, diddy is the right word. Titty diddy. I mean, that's what this is essentially. Yep. He's just 
reducing her to her breasts, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of comedians did at the time in support of Seinfeld and what I'm sure many of his fans did. This poor girl. I mean, I would be humiliated. And I think it's such a ridiculous guise to say that this is just a hit out at Cherry because it's not really, I mean, in a sense it is sure, fine. Maybe in their own circles, you're still capitalizing and objectifying. You're capitalizing on the way people are viewing her and objectifying what she looks mm-hmm. like and who she is. There's still no commentary from her. There's still nothing that's talking about who she is and her personality. And also why wouldn't there be? We didn't know. Nobody ever asked her. And by the way, Howard Stern is another person for our shit list, I think, yep. along with Diane Sawyer, because he this is so him to do it just like this and think that he's kind of winning here. I think it's he's a bit of a hypocrite. And he used to, he still does objectify and sexualize almost every female guest he has on his radio show. And to such a graphic degree, like this guy doesn't really get any bonus points for me, but he is one of the few people who called out Jerry on such a massive platform. And unfortunately... That does say something. I know, because it's such a wasted opportunity. The way he does it is gross in and of itself. He's not out there advocating for the rights of young women who are being pursued by these predators who want to date kids. I think if I saw this, and if it were about me and I were dating Seinfeld, you know, as a teenager, I would be traumatized by this. It would just compound the trauma I was already experiencing. Yeah. I think what's also interesting that we can't forget is that Jerry's audience is largely white men mm-hmm. and so are so are Howard. So when you're making comedy like this, that's a bit toxic, like we addressed earlier, when it includes sexualization of women, when it's sexist, when it's racist, and all these other things. You're really just speaking into the mirror. And so there's a reason that you're getting the feedback that you're getting that's so positive and makes you think that you're winning people over. You're just talking to yourself, buddy. Like, there's a reason they ever got the backlash that they did until recent years. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who used to write satire, I was actually, this is some of my cool cred, I was one of the early writers at the Beaverton. Yes! Um, which I think is cool. It like, is cool. Which might say that I'm nerdy, that I think that that's one of the coolest things I've ever done. But I love the Beaverton. I think the people who write for it are, are brilliant. And it was such a privilege to write satire there. But one thing that I learned while writing there, and I didn't know this when I started, but I learned it by studying um, parody and working with some brilliant people, is that satire is funnier and also just more culturally relevant when you're punching up. You don't need to punch down. You don't need to attack marginalized people. They're already attacked enough by society and the systems that marginalize them. You're just being a dick and you're making things worse for marginalized people. It's cheap. It's low-hanging fruit. It's not funny. It makes you part of the problem. Uh, So my take is that, Howard, you're lazy. You're not doing satire effectively. Yeah, 100%. I think the thing that it always reminds me of is that um, there's this kind of running joke in the comedy world that comedy used to be more about jokes like shitting on your wife and how she's like the ball and mm-hmm. chain kind of thing. And now it's come to, oh, my wife is so much better than me. I don't even deserve her kind of jokes, like sort of a la John Mulaney, mm-hmm. even Bill Burr. It's come a long way. And also it really, really hasn't because it is still a boys club. And I think mm-hmm. routines like this, who's laughing at them? It's the same guy. hmm Mm-hmm. So it's also interesting to note that Stern and Seinfeld did not have a permanent falling out. 
They were friends when this happened, and they are friends to this day. In fact, Seinfeld revealed in a 2020 interview with Stern that some bits in his 23 Hours to Kill comedy special were inspired by Howard and their friendship. So as much as Stern was ribbing on him, he was ribbing on a friend in that routine. God, I mean, they might have even discussed it beforehand. You know, that's the thing. They're so close. This is why you also can't take it seriously. Yep. After years of shopping trips, basketball, and plenty of red carpet moments, Jaren Jajana broke up for good in 1997. Are you surprised it lasted this long, Steph? Like, <laughs> I actually was surprised it lasted until 1997. I'm surprised it lasted long enough to even make it into the tabloids. The fact that they were hitting red carpets together is truly fascinating to me. Uh-uh. According to a December 1998 article in AP News, then 23-year-old Shoshana told Details Magazine she and Jerry broke up because, quote, he worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That seems valid. By contrast, Shoshana claimed she wanted to run around and play. And that sounds very normal for a woman in her early 20s. It also sounds so childlike. I just can't get over it. Yeah, she even uses the verb play, like, which is totally fine. Like, she's a girl in her early 20s. Like, she, you are still, in many cases, very childlike in your early 20s. That's totally age-appropriate language, but it really drives home the age difference and how he should not have been dating her. As Shoshana aged, she became tight-lipped about her past relationship with Seinfeld. In 2000, Shoshana sat down with the LA Times to promote her new fashion line, also named Shoshana. One of the conditions of the interview was that they were not allowed to ask her about Seinfeld. Shoshana definitely had a leg up in the fashion industry. After graduating from UCLA in 1997, her wealthy father gave his daughter the seed money to start a line of clothes. However privileged she was, Shoshana appears to have worked hard on that line. The line exists to this day, and the clothes, which are designed to fit larger busted women, are fashion-forward and cute. Like, I'm actually a really big fan of that line. I can't afford it. It's it's quite expensive. But, you know, it does some good work, and it still exists to this day. So she she committed to that and has stuck with it. She's seen it through. I also like that she took the one thing that she was sort of objectified for and turned it into her own moneymaker and is catering to those women specifically. How amazing. Mm-hmm. It's savvy. Exactly. Yeah. In 2003, Shoshana also married Joshua Gruss, a wealthy New Yorker who is a partner at a private investment firm. The two have since divorced, but they share three children. Shoshana does not speak publicly about her time with Seinfeld. It's therefore impossible for us to say if and how the relationship with Jerry impacted her life in the long term. Um, and I don't want to speak for Shoshana. I don't know what the impacts were. I still don't think the fact that we don't know whether or not she was traumatized for life makes it okay um, to date a child. But we don't know exactly how this relationship affected her. Yeah, and I think the fact that she doesn't want to ever discuss him again says a lot. And it's also, it speaks well to those people who think she was just money or fame hungry. I mean, she wants to distance herself as much from him as possible. Yeah, that's what it seems like. After his relationship with Shoshana, Jerry married Jessica Sklar, whom he met at a Reebok sports club in 1998. A good piece of gossip is that Jessica divorced her husband for uh, four months, Eric Nederlander, to be with Jerry. Jessica reportedly started seeing Jerry immediately after returning home from her honeymoon. I'm not going to editorialize here. Because I don't want to slut shame a woman for changing her mind about her first marriage. I don't endorse infidelity, but it happens all the time. However, it's still an 
interesting and dramatic story. So I put it in there. Yeah, it's really wild. <laughs> the thing that I just yeah. want to know is what does this man have? What is his shoe size? Is he an early Pete Davidson? Why are women clamoring for him? I don't understand. What is his spell? Like, what are his moves? What is his secret? I don't know how he ended up with Jessica so, so quickly. Jessica was in her late 20s at the time, and Jerry was 17 years her senior. So there's still a big age difference, but at least she could vote when she met Jerry. That's how I feel. Yeah, we'll take that. I'm not going to give him... Much better, Jerry. Yeah, I'm not going (laughs) to give him too much credit for dating a younger woman who was at least old enough to vote. However, I am happy he's no longer, you know, going after people who aren't old enough to buy beer or, or cast a ballot, right? Absolutely. So in addition to a marriage of 20 years and his three children, Jerry's life is going very well financially. He's worth around a billion dollars today. He and his wife are also good friends with other celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Rock. His family owns gorgeous homes in a variety of glamorous locations, including Manhattan and East Hampton. Seinfeld's current show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, has run for 11 seasons. Over the course of its run, the series has seen Jerry grab coffee and yuck it up with a huge number of comedy legends from Mel Brooks to Jimmy Fallon. The guy certainly is popular. It's 2021 and the entertainment industry still loves Jerry Seinfeld. So why did Jerry never get his Me Too reckoning? After the movement began in 2017, many celebrities were taken to task for illegal or immoral sexual behavior. Louis C.K. was outed for masturbating in front of unconsenting women. Aziz Ansari was the subject of a Babe.net article titled, I went on a date with Aziz Ansari. It turned into the worst night of my life. That article is about a 22-year-old referred to by the article as Grace. She recounted a date where she believed the comedian was oblivious to her feelings of discomfort um, and lack of consent during sexual activity. In 2020, it also came out that Chris Delia had solicited nudes from underage girls, and social media rightly took him to task for that. So why was Jerry never held to account? There were plenty of times that he and Shoshana went out together. We have so much evidence. We have a people profile. We know that this relationship happened. Hell, he celebrated their relationship every chance he got. Why does Jerry Seinfeld appear to be Teflon? I find it so perplexing. This is one of those Hollywood scandals that I can't really wrap my head around even still because sure, it was the 90s and it was a different time and it was way before me too, but it is so blatantly (laughs) heinous. But I think this is also part of that thing where a lot of people feel like if you are a 17-year-old girl, you are an adult woman. And if you have the body of a woman, then you should be treated as an adult. And I think there's so much that's offensive about that. And I think that's sort of what happened here. And again, because she's not, she was not this famous face or name. So he kind of got away with it. And listen, everybody knows who Seinfeld is. My entire family knows who Seinfeld is. It's, this is just one of those things where you've got somebody who is so high wattage that they are completely untouchable and unbreakable. And even during this Me Too reckoning, we still haven't really discussed him and no. taken him to task. And there were other celebrities who were taken to task for past relationships that were immoral. Yeah. Uh, but he just appears, I, I, maybe it's that he's too powerful. Maybe it's that we don't like to admit when our favorites are problematic and Seinfeld is still popular to this day. I don't know what it is, but there appears to be a real double standard here, and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I think a good comparison is Bill Cosby, because these two men have been on our television screens, for me, since I was born. You know, my parents watched 
them on screen. They were all over everywhere. I watched the I watched the Cosby show a lot. I loved the Cosby show. And I think when you go up with these figures and they're kind of part of your family, it's so hard to kind of just say, well, this is somebody who did a bad thing and maybe we should write them up for it. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult for people to do. This is on another level from even someone like Woody Allen who makes movies that maybe not everybody is seeing. Mm-hmm. These are sitcoms that every average family is watching at home and still do, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think this is very similar to Leonardo DiCaprio. So I think certain celebrities, I guess, in Hollywood, because they're so connected, so powerful, so beloved, are just in some ways too big to fail, which sucks. Mm -hmm. But his girlfriend, Camilla Marone, he started dating her when she was 18, but he arguably groomed her for years before because he was friends with her mother. So he (laughs) knew this person when she was a child. And that's gross. Yeah. But I mean, he's taken her to award shows. Like, no one has decided to cancel Leonardo DiCaprio because of that. So, I mean, I do think that, unfortunately, even though we're in an era where supposedly less powerful people can protect themselves and others by canceling someone, you can't actually do that if that person is really, truly very powerful. Yeah, you can't. And like you noted before, Seinfeld is a billionaire, for God's sake. Like, These guys are not just super, super famous. They're very beloved. And the characters we know them for are charming, sweet people. People cannot separate those when you grow up with those faces on screen. It's just Mm -hmm. very difficult. I think that's absurd. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I've been able to do it. But I think I, I, I can also say I haven't been able to do it for everybody that I love who's turned out to be a bit problematic. It's difficult. But I think at least we have to have the conversation. We cannot forgive somebody just because they're really fucking famous. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. And I mean, it's interesting, like the Jerry we know from TV, I mean, he always dated age appropriate women. And there is often this conflation, just like there is with Bill Cosby, of the TV version that they created themselves and the reality. Um, But it is important, as you said, to start that conversation and to separate those two things. Like, you can separate the art from the artist in multiple ways. You can separate the art from the artist by continuing to enjoy the art when the artist has, you know, been disgraced in some ways, but also you can allow yourself to condemn the artist for things that the person in their art would never have done. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something we need to work on as a society, the ability to do that. I think that's so well put. If we take a look at Bill Cosby, who played this lovely family man, best dad ever, best husband ever, married to an amazing woman, has these amazing kids. So hilarious, just perfect in every way. Very hard to make that separation from a man who was raping women on a regular basis off screen. Mm -hmm. It's absurd. So the first thing you have to do is be able to draw that line. If we can draw that line, we can make the separation. And I don't think there's fault in continuing to enjoy the art if you can do that. So few people within the industry to this day have spoken out about Jerry's relationship with Shoshana. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a grand dame of women in American comedy. She's also the Seinfeld cast member who has indisputably had the best career after the show. I mean, she's won multiple Emmys for Veep, and she also has a role in the Marvel Universe. Over the years, JLD, as I like to call her, has become something of a feminist icon, too, calling out the sexual harassment she experienced during a brief stint on SNL in her 20s. However, she has never criticized Seinfeld for dating a child, at least not in a big public way. Julia told New York Magazine of the romance, no, it didn't make me cringe. When he was in that relationship, it was a happy one for him. 
and she's a terribly nice person, so I was in favor of it. Come on, who cares? There wasn't anything wrong with it. I thought it was great. Anyway, they're not dating anymore if that gives other people any happiness. So what do you think of that quote? That quote makes me so sad. It's so awful. It is so bad in every way. And I think I personally believe, because I'm also a massive, massive fan of this woman, I cannot imagine her saying even a fraction of this quote today. Again, time has passed. We've all grown a little, I hope. But also this is that bit that comes in where it's like, you know, when you're friends with the person who is problematic, how the hell do you then draw the distinction? I know it's not easy, but I think this is just abysmal. And I also, though, I think at the same time, something needs to be said for the fact that a lot of the time when these sorts of things happen during the Me Too era and a man is exposed, the women in his life are expected to answer for him. Mm -hmm. We saw the same Mm -hmm. thing with Cosby. Remember with Chris D'Elia, Whitney Cummings, who had cast him in her sitcom prior Mm -hmm. to, was held to task Mm -hmm. so aggressively on social for quite a while. Um, and I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not up to them. They, it doesn't, it, in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter what they have to say because these men are still not being held to task by the people who should actually be holding them to task. Completely agree. Like, JLD did not date a child. We do not need to pillory her for the fact that Seinfeld did. At the same time, it is a little bit sad that no one has spoken out Even somebody who over the years has become a feminist icon. Um, I mean, he was very influential. So that also could have been a dimension here, right? You don't necessarily want to alienate the most important person in American comedy in the 90s when you want to have a career after Seinfeld. And women who talk shit about the men they work with are branded as difficult. No one wants to work with them again. Look at Katherine Heigl, right? Like she critiqued Judd Apatow for the sexism in his work and he basically torpedoed her career. So If Louis Dreyfus had said something a bit more scathing, I don't know if she would have been on Veep. I don't know if she'd be in the Marvel Universe. So, Mm. I mean, I do think that we have to consider the power imbalances in Jerry's life in many aspects of his life. And so I'm not trying to make excuses for JLD because she did normalize this relationship. At the same time, she was in a very complicated situation And I don't know if I would have been brave enough to speak out against him if he had had my career in his hands. Like, I'd like to think I would have been brave enough, but I think it's hubris to assume I would have been. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, let's not forget, this reminds me of the Louis C.K. situation. He'd been masturbating in front of women, mostly female comics he worked with backstage for years. And these women Mm -hmm. have come forward since then and said, yeah, we didn't feel comfortable calling it out because you have to be participating in quote unquote bro culture to be able to succeed in the comedy world. And in the stand-up world, they were protecting their careers and it's heartbreaking. And again, this also happens outside the comedy world. It happens even now just in a nine to five regular office job. It's a scary situation to be in for sure. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. I mean, there's, there's, comedy is a minefield for women. Yeah. So I would like to share now, probably I think the best critique I've seen of Jerry Seinfeld, um, And it really takes him to task for dating a teenage girl. And what's great about it is that it was done by a stand-up comedian. This clip made the rounds on comedy Twitter in 2019. It's a clip by comedian Jeremy Kaplowitz. um, And it's it's brilliant. Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) You ever notice how girlfriends are always talking about math homework? (laughs) What is going on with that? 
girlfriends, all they talk about is going to science class. A girlfriend's life revolves around home. They got homework, homeroom, and they want to run away from home and live with their 38-year-old celebrity boyfriends. God, he has that nauseating voice perfectly down. I'm impressed. It's uncanny. <laughs> so the time has come for Hindsight is 2021, the segment where Sadaf and I discuss what we might have done differently if we were the subjects of this week's episode. I shouldn't have done that. So Sadaf, what would you have handled differently in this situation? So many things. So many things. My biggest thing, though, I think, is I would have just loved to hear more from Shoshana. Again, she was so young as it is anyway, so I don't know that what she would have said would have given much credence to what the damage of the situation, but I just want to hear what she would have had to say. I think in that People editorial that really romanticized them, it didn't give her any space at all, and I think she was owed a little bit of weight in this relationship in the media and just in itself, and if I were her parents, oh my God, I would have put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been so disgusted by the limousine pulling up outside my home every day. That would have never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also I would have just liked to have said something. I think nobody said anything. Nobody. None of the comedians, none of their coworkers, no one on their team, not a soul. I think if just, if you know, this is one of the things, though, social media was not around back then. And I think if it mm-hmm. had been... Maybe there would have been a little bit of calling out. And I think it makes the biggest difference. What about you, Sarah? What would you change? So absolutely, someone should have called him out. I feel like the person who should have done it, who probably would have gained the most traction with this critique is Larry David, because they were friends and confidants. Like he should have been like, this is absolutely inappropriate. There's a reason why we don't make episodes about you picking up children at parks, because it's not okay, right? (laughs) Like it's, it's not palatable comedy because it's actually wrong. So I feel like he should have said something. Um... And I mean, I also feel like Shoshana's parents should have put their foot down. I don't know. Like, as a parent, I know parenting is difficult. I've never had a teenager. My daughter is still a baby. But like, I don't want to judge them too harshly because I don't know what they were up against when your daughter wants to date one of the most powerful men in America, or rather, he wants to date her. That might feel intimidating, right? Like, as wealthy and connected as these people were, I'm willing to bet he probably was wealthier and more connected. But still, I think, like, as a parent, you have to protect your child. And, I like, she was in high school. She was a baby. He met her at a park. Like, that's such predatory behavior. I really wish that they had intervened um, and stopped this relationship before it started. Uh. 100%. I just wish we had a Me Too reckoning every damn year because it goes really far back. And there's probably a million more stories we're never even going to hear about of men who've gotten away with this kind of shit. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap for this week. My final thoughts on this whole debacle are that Me Too still has a lot of work to do, and let's hope people do it. You've heard the saying, all your faves are problematic, but we as a society frequently ignore how our faves are problematic. In the case of Jerry Seinfeld, we made apologies for his predatory behavior dating children in the 90s, and today we pretend it never happened. Let's conclude the story of Jerry Seinfeld and Shoshana Lonestein with this fact. To this day, Jerry has never apologized for pursuing an underage girl. The man is not sorry. (laughs) Let's just say that. Nope. He's (laughs) not. He's not sorry. 
He's proud. (laughs) Well, as always, we hope you'll be back next week as we do a deep dive this time into the history of celebrity sex tapes. It's going to be a juicy one. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadafasan. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at Sarah Sahagian on Twitter. And if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. Thanks for listening. 